Well, good morning, Brazos. We've already uh, experienced quite a bit of whoops, the presence of God. Amen. And uh, what I love is that um, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us, no matter what. And whether you're online or here in person, we want you to feel at home. So hello, Bill and you, King. And thank you again for just serving with your whole heart this way. Um, if you don't know, Bill and you King serve online every Sunday faithfully. And uh, it just touches my heart that they're able to reach. Because of them, we are able to reach so many more people. Jesus is able to be introduced to so many more people. So if you are online, you have access to a Bible app, you can request prayer, and you can also chat through the messaging. Um, my name is Dory Donnell, and I am an associate pastor here. And this morning, we're going to continue our Seven Deadly Sins series. But we're going to start with a review, because my friend James is a teacher. And uh, in order to get people to remember things, we have to review. So let's see who was listening. I am going to make it easy. I have multiple choice here. So the first one, sin is something that happens to us beyond our control, A. B, something we choose to do that violates God's law and sabotages the abundant life he desires for us, or C, eating pineapple on a pizza. I know, tricky, right? Right? This is not a trick question. So who, who knows the answer? Just yell it out. It's pretty obvious. It's B. Yes, B. It is something we choose to do that violates God's law and sabotages the abundant life he desires for us. I actually like pineapple on pizza. Thank you. Though I do understand there is quite a controversy in some social circles. So we will just let everybody eat the toppings they choose. So we're going to do one more. Pride is A. The doorway to all six other sins. B, an elevating of ourselves over God. C, a form of idolatry. Or D, all of the above. Yes, D, pride is nasty. Oh, and you know what? It's something we all struggle with at a lot of points in our lives. I'm not even going to say some points because we find ourselves in that nastiness all the time. So we're going to keep pride in the forefront as we discuss not one and not two, but three other deadly sins that are enabled when pride is present. So today, family, we're going to talk about envy, greed, and lust. We're going to look at a basic definition. We're going to look into scripture, and we're going to reflect on how these three things affect us and what we can do to help ourselves and help others through the struggle. So that's really what this is about. This is about learning together and recognizing the signs of these sicknesses so we can go to God with our struggles and maybe learn how to be a trusted community for others that need Jesus. Altogether, that builds up the body. What this is not is a shame-blame game. We don't play that. This is a time of reflection. It will be PG reflection, and there will be a heart check. So we will leave communion till the end, so we're truly able to prepare our hearts and reflect on the gift Jesus is in our lives. Okay, so I need, I need to do this. I need everyone else to do this. Take a deep breath, because we're about to get into it. 
Our text today is from 1 John 2, 15 and 16, and we're also going to hit Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Like I said, there's a lot here. So our first one, 1 John 2, 15 to 16. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. You are my brothers and sisters. You were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, <laughs> Papa, <laughs> you are so present with us right now. We thank you that we are so aware of your voice. We thank you that our hearts are opened. We thank you that we are able to clearly understand what you have for us, and that is freedom. Father God, I pray right now that no walls be formed. I pray that there is an understanding of want for transparency with you, of want for, them, for, for every part of us to be known so that we don't hide. And God, the stuff that is hidden from us Reveal it to us so that we can give it right back to you. These are heavy subjects, God, and I thank you that you've given me the message. I thank you that I am speaking your words. May I be honoring to them. May this be just an offering to you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, both our texts are forms of damage control to the church. One is a warning about not participating with darkness as the world does, and that's in 1 John. And then a letter to the churches in Galatia, amplify the command to love each other. It's not communicating any new information. It's just a reminder to stay true to what is already known. And it's really no surprise that lust, envy, and greed are works of the flesh and has been something that has been struggled with since before the church was started, and it continues today. I think we can take it back to the garden. I'm not sure, but um, none of us here are shocked by the news. But if we go a little deeper, we can see what it does to our hearts. So our first text from 1 John mentions three kinds of lust. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of lifestyle. Now, the lust of the flesh is talking about physical intimacy outside what God created for us. The lust of the eyes is what we see in the world, power, position, even justice, where the world says we have to make them pay. They have to pay. I was thinking on this, and the Holy Spirit whispered, Jesus says I already paid. Jesus says I already paid, and we know that price, right? So and then there's pride again, and some translations will refer to pride in one's lifestyle as the desire of every human being to be his or her own God. So it is literally elevating ourselves above God. 
We're going to take another deep breath. <laughs> so everybody inhale and exhale because we've got a lot to cover. So we're going to look at a simple definition of lust. It's not that, I mean, it's, it's as simple as it can be, I guess. It is the psychological force producing intense desire for an object or circumstance. Over time, and it does take time, this is a desire that is so strong, it takes over our mind and emotions, and we are no longer surrendered to the will of God. Simply put, it's taking the controls and trying to get a specific result. It's very selfish. Our next one, greed, is similar in that it is another sin of desire. Physically, greed is a selfish or excessive desire for something. And then we have envy. Envy is a desire to have a quality possession or other attribute belonging to someone else. I mean, it's hard, right? We see something someone else has, and can we be content that we don't have it? Especially in the age of social media, during a pandemic, where everyone is on their phone, rocking the TikTok or checking Facebook or Instagram or Snapchatting, the struggle's real. <laughs> and all it takes is a click on a button that says buy now and you have another gadget. All it takes is a follow and you can watch the highlight reel of someone's life and begin to want that life. All it takes is a little bit of passion and a want for justice and you're fighting for position and power because you deserve it or you want to see someone pay because they made a bad decision and they deserve it. So we're going to add some church language to this. Raise your hand if you have heard the name it, claim it prayer. Name it, claim it. How about manifesting something in your life? That's one that I have started hearing a lot about. Yeah. God knows the desires of my heart. So of course he wants me to have XYZ. Or because God knows the desires of my heart, he's going to put XYZ in my life. What about um, pray with me that this exact thing happens the exact way I want it to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to call it like it is and tell you those are heretical messages. They're actually steeped in New Age ideals of metaphysics or making things happen with your mind. And it bases the grace and gifts that God gave us on the faith we possess. It puts, us in, it, puts it in our hands. Now, if we look at faith defined in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it is the reality of what is hoped for and the assurance about what we cannot do not see. Here, with this messaging, faith is redefined as a way of controlling God to give us what we want. The message completely contradicts what James said that we were to stay away from. It offers all the things the world has to offer. So here's another one. We can't be greedy with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that if pride is involved, you can. Because it's not up to you to tell the Spirit what he needs to do or what gifts you should have. We begin to see him as a genie in the bottle, and he's only there to serve us. What about, I'm just passionate and people don't get it. Hold that thought for just a second. 
The truth is everyone struggles with this stuff. We're humans. We're living in a fallen world. And any of these sicknesses that take hold over time creates a desire that is insatiable and the void will never be filled. There are people right now, there are people that we saw on the streets blind to their discontent. They are seeking out the one thing, whether it's person or power or principle. They will not be satisfied ever. The hope that we have, the hope that's right here is that we know what we are looking for or we know how to ask and give the Holy Spirit what we can, surrender what we know, and we can be freed from that desire. But we have, we have to know before we can let it go. So what are symptoms for lust, greed, and envy? You have a one-track mind. You can recognize if it's bad enough, but more than likely, someone's going to tell you. It turns people off. Your friends stop picking up the phone. I am talking to my passionate people here. And uh, the Holy Spirit woke me up and, and told me that I needed to change the story I was going to share because it was going to be nice and safe. And it was cute. I was little. But I don't get to share that story. I get to tell you when I worked for uh, an anti-trafficking agency. Whew. And I took a deep dive into all the spiritual aspects of trafficking. And I became obsessed, <laughs> obsessed with justice. I wanted every person to understand how they played into the problem. I wanted to make a difference. And I drove people away doing that. And I became obsessed with the issue. I was constantly disappointed in people. I found that I judged when I should have prayed. I wanted the pimps to pay. I wanted to open people's eyes. I wanted to use force if necessary. Like, it was serious. Even if I saw good things happen, it was not good enough. There was too much evil in the world. I was getting looks from my friends when I started talking about it. I was told it was too heavy. And thankfully, I listened. <laughs> because I genuinely loved people and it made me sad. And so I got humble before the Holy Spirit and I started praying. And thankfully, he turned me around. But <laughs> here's the deal. I had a lust issue with justice. It started as passion. And passion is something God put in us to move us. And it's good. And the outcome is good. And it fills our hearts up. And it helps us to have faith, greater faith and greater trust in who he is. But what I was doing was actually no longer drawing people to him. I was dividing people. I was creating an us versus them mentality unknowingly. And I was trying to do all the heavy lifting. And let me tell you, it's exhausting. You get really tired. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to tire you out. He wants to burn you out so that you have nothing to give. Because you're important. Because God values you as much as he does. 
But the point that I believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to make here is I was doing ministry work and getting farther from God's will in my life. There has to be a balance. God will give you a cause that you were designed to champion alongside him. As long as he continues to fuel you, it's good. It will be his truth, not you creating truth out of a personal belief system. The difference between moving in passion and having a lust issue is all heart motivation. That's all it is. You allow pride in there and you are no longer working for God's will for others or for yourself. You are taking on ownership. And this could be anything, anything you are passionate about can be turned around and the enemy can use it. That's why it is so important to go to the Holy Spirit. So there's one. <laughs> Another one might be, your prayers sound like an order for a complicated coffee drink from Starbucks all about you. You don't feel content in a particular part of your life and you may equate it to lacking something, some gift or ability or quality someone you know has. Like, this is real, guys. Man, I wish I could sing like Melody. You know what? God has given you gifts specifically made for how he created you. And if he were to pile gifts on you that you're not ready for, that would turn him from a loving God into a puppet master. And that's not what he is. He gives you exactly what you are ready for. He gives you exactly what he has prepared for you beforehand. That's what you get to walk out. So let's talk remedies because we know the problem. The Holy Spirit plays a starring role here. We can humble ourselves so that he can search our hearts and reveal anything we need to surrender. These sins are sometimes hidden from us. And it is only with the help of the Spirit that we can be free. They come from a place of lack and insecurity. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that can show you. Romans 8.27 says, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Not only does Jesus intercede, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Another thing that we can do, it's pretty logical, it's practice contentment. Um, it's a spiritual discipline. And it will fight envy, greed, and lust. And we can do this by reading the Bible and praying. When I pray, I ask God for a sense of wonder. Because he can always give you that. He can always fill you with a new understanding of the depth of his love for you. And I like to say that Papa loves wealth. So pray for a sense of wonder. You can also take logical steps. You can find something to be thankful for every day. You can buy what you need, not what you see. You may also need to take a social media break. Between all of the problems in the world coming onto your Facebook feed, 
or all of the um, contempt coming between people or all of the material stuff that is available to you at the click of a button, you might just need a break. And that's okay too. So we're saving the best for last. We get to recognize as followers of Jesus, we already have the victory through his sacrifice. And because of that, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8.38 says, I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height, depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. That's right. That's how we can participate with the Holy Spirit. So what about becoming a trusted community for others? Here's where Galatians comes in. And this is another heart check for us. Last week, Pastor James said that you cannot free people when you are in handcuffs yourself. It's not going to happen. If we're to love our neighbor, our neighbor that may or may not know Jesus, our neighbor that may have been wounded by the church, Never got invited to the cool kids' table in the cafeteria. We have to be motivated out of love as we respond to something they may say, or if we're led by the Spirit to have a hard conversation. It is never about shame, and it is always to point others to Jesus. We can't be shocked or taken aback that people have sin in their lives. We have sin in our lives. And Jesus is the great equalizer. He is the one who brings everything to the same level so that we can look at each other and say, I see you, I know you, he loves you. We have to be able to do that, church. People will be coming through these doors who have experienced a lot of brokenness. They'll be slow to trust. And I feel like we can look at this series and everything else we're learning as a training ground to be able to serve others. We have to be honest with ourselves too, though. Thinking about lust and envy and greed, just thinking about the subject matter itself may trigger something inside as you're listening to another person's story. Will you be able to help? If it's too much for you, are you going to then become a stumbling block for their growth in Jesus? We can't do that. Is the idea of helping triggering anything that feels like shame or bringing about a feeling of you versus everyone else? It's not you versus everyone else. It's us. When we were walking on the streets on uh, Friday, I actually, whew, I got to uh, go on a different a different group. Um, Evan and I went with uh, Pastor Joe. And let me tell you, Pastor Joe goes to jails. <laughs> Pastor Joe wants to pray for the people who are coming out of the jail. And um, we met a beautiful, beautiful girl who wanted so badly to just do the right things and stay out of jail. And as we prayed, I felt like she had 
there was a, a mantle that she was going to carry. It was familial. And I said, do you have a pastor in the family? And she said, my grandma's a pastor. And I said, you're about to take that mantle. And she said, that's what she told me when I was little. So we prayed over her and we got a picture of Deborah. And Deborah is a judge and Deborah is a warrior and Deborah is powerful in leadership. And she stood up a little taller and she held her head a little higher because she started seeing what God sees. She started knowing herself and her identity. On the other hand, there was a, a woman that we were riding with who didn't know her identity and was praying for people. So you never know someone's story until you actually talk to them and you can't talk to them unless you see them as equal. So as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we start to just allow Jesus to come into the place where something might be hidden or something, some wall might be up. Because again, we all deal with this. I would suggest that you use this moment of silence to let him show you exactly what it is that you need pointed out. Let him show you he is the equalizer and he has no favorites. And he loves all of us. And he wants nothing more than for us to know the Father. And ask the Holy Spirit to show you where there may be any hesitation or any wound or any shame that needs healing. And maybe you're online and you don't know Jesus. Now is a great time to start that relationship. Now is a great time to choose to know the Savior of our hearts, of our lives, and someone who is always going to be with you. You are able to actually ask for prayer online. You can um, push a button and someone will be with you there. But right now we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. If you're online, please get your elements if you would like to join us.
So family, we are talking about the Jesus who walked amongst the sinners. We're talking about the Jesus who, whether you change your mind or not, he's still working on your heart. We're talking about the Jesus who can give you entire heart transformation. We're talking about the Jesus who conquered death and hell. And he conquered death and hell for all of us. And because of that, we have hope eternal and we have eternal life. And on the night Jesus was betrayed, they were having dinner. And what gets me is he chose to be with the people he was with. He didn't have to sit with his disciples. He could have said table for one, but he didn't. He had a lesson that they needed to learn through every part of their relationship with him. Every part. He chose the disciples just like he chose every single one of us. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. Even if they didn't understand it yet, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat and remember me. His body broken for us. And he took the cup and he said, take and drink. This cup is a symbol of the new covenant, the new kingdom. The Father's heart for you. Take and drink. God, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you hear us and you see us and you love us. We thank you that we were able to actually give over any part of lust, envy, greed, pride, shame, anything that is not of you. We have been given the opportunity to give that to you. Thank you for being with us in the hard places and in the hidden places. Thank you that nothing is hidden from you. It is in your precious and holy name. Amen. So let's stand and uh, let me bless you because you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You were called to be